Shelley Miscavige. She has not appeared in public since 2005. Where's Shelly and what happened? Where is Shelly? We're looking at like 17 years of a person just missing. Shelly Miscavige was given into the sole care of L. Ron Hubbard by her parents when she was 12. This is where Shelly is believed to be being held captive. Do you believe that Shelly Miscavige is a threat today? Oh, absolutely. She's seen it all. She's been by his side the whole time. Welcome to the channel. This is my next episode of Where is Shelly Miscavige? And for this episode, we're going to do something a little different. Um, Mark will be interviewing me about my experiences with Shelly. So let me bring in Mark here. And hey, Hi guys. honey. <laughs> hey. Thanks for doing this with me. I appreciate it. No problem. So yes, as I was just um, saying in my introduction, today's episode will be you interviewing me about my experiences with Shelly Miscavige. Perfect. So I'll awesome. let you take it away. Okay, good. So you you arrived at the Int base, uh, the International Headquarters of Scientology in Gilman Hot Springs, California in 1992? Um, I arrived there in September 1991. Okay, good. 1991. Okay. Yes. So is that the first time that you met Shelly? Yes. So the first time I remember meeting Shelly um, was not right away. Um, honestly, I didn't even know who David Miscavige was when I arrived at the property, um, let alone Shelly. So, um, but yes, so I was working in the training division, what was referred to as qualifications division, where I was essentially like a teacher in the course rooms, uh, training the staff on Scientology courses every day. And David Miscavige and Shelley would come through there on a regular basis, inspecting and looking and all that stuff. Yeah. So that was when I first remember meeting Shelley. And you didn't have working in the qualifications department in Golden Era Productions, which is the the media center for Scientology in the in the nineties. That's where they created all their television and um, film projects and produ promotion and ad adverts and all that good stuff. Um, you did you didn't have that much interaction with Shelley at that time, right? Besides just when her and Dave would walk through or something. That's right. Yes. Um, I remember more so seeing Shelly when the whole, that whole area was being renovated um, in 1993, I think. Um, and at that time, then we were, uh, the, while the building was being renovated, we were working out of these trailers at the far end of the property um, by the old Gilman house on, I guess it's the far Western side of the property, Northwestern. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. The North it was on the North side all the way to the West. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she would come through there. She would usually come with David Miscavige. Sometimes she would come without him. She always had an entourage of people. And I think at that time, Anne Rathbun, who was married to Marty Rathbun, was um, David Miscavige's communicator. So this was before Larice took over as his communicator. Larice at that time. Larice Stuckenbrock. Larice Stuckenbrock, that's right. Larice was internal executive, which is the post I would later become in later years in Religious Technology Center. Anyway, um, so it was always Shelley with Ann Rathbun. And maybe another secretary type person um, coming around with or without David Miscavige, mainly looking at the progress of the renovations of that building where I worked. Okay. And what was your first impression um, of Shelley when you, you know, first witnessed her and saw her and saw her doing stuff either with Dave or without? What, 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 what idea did you get from her? Yeah, I she always seemed kind of mysterious to me, honestly, like I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't even know 
I didn't, I didn't know such a post existed before I arrived at that property. Um, she absolutely seemed, um, equally powerful to David Miscavige was my first impression. Um, and, and absolutely she seemed, um, very stern most of the time. Um, especially when they were going around on inspections, it was always like, you know, who's going to get in trouble kind of thing. Um, and, um, and yeah, so she was kind of a mystery to me. I didn't really know what she did or, uh, I knew she was David Miscavige's right hand lady. Um, I'm, I mean, I assumed that I realized right away that they were married and that I, and thinking back on it, that struck me as a little odd, though I never let that thought kind of come to the surface because it was so rare for a Sea Org member couple to be working together. Uh, and yet here they were at the top and they're like Mr. and Mrs. Head of Scientology. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't ever thought about that. I don't think... I can't really think of any other husband and wife teams until much, very, very much later. Like there was like, uh, like Tommy Davis and Jessica Feshback, like they were a little team, right? Um, and they were married, but um, I can't think of any other teams like that where the husband and wife worked together and they were married. Because almost invariably, if you work in the same area with your wife. That's not going to last that long. <laughs> no, <laughs> either your marriage is going to fail or your post is going to fail. The two would never. Yeah, you normally... just or one of you would get assigned to the RPF and then that would be it. You would never work with that person ever again because now they're off in some other place or some other location or even another organization altogether after that. Yeah, exactly. The only other example someone brought up when I commented on this a few weeks ago was Walter and Zara Kotrick, who were sent to uh, Europe to be the head of Europe. He was the commanding officer and she was his second in command. Yeah, but let's not <laughs> pretend that that was very, uh, a very healthy relationship no. or, or that they succeeded in any way. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're long gone, right? Aren't they no more? That's a great question. I don't actually know. Yeah, I thought, I thought that ended. I, I wanna say that that ended that I heard that that ended anyway. Um, but yes, it's a very rare instance for a husband and wife team, regardless of uh, where or uh, when um, it is very, it is sort of uh, uh, a unicorn of a situation that yes. happens within the sea org. It's definitely, I mean, we've been talking about it for five minutes. We maybe thought of one or two other people that ever did it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that really struck me, but again, you know, at the time I, I was very adept at closing that back door in the back of my brain of those little questions. Like, yeah, hmm. <gasps> I did think of another one. Yes. L. Ron Hubbard and Mary Sue. Oh, of course. Duh. There you go. Like and founding, founding example. That's a good one. Yeah. And also if you want to, draw the parallels david miscavige pretty much on the very front end of going into hiding for the rest of his life just like hubbard was um mary sue hubbard was banished um before um he really did that because the whole, of the whole guardian's office thing so right. she ended up going to jail and then being banished while and, hubbard and and had all of her power removed i know it's 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 funny to me Drawing that parallel did not occur for me until I started doing this series. And then it was like, you know, full body chills, like, whoa, this is insane how similar this is. Mary Sue had so much power. She was his second in command. And then she was completely thrown away and well, never seen or heard from again. Like I never knew of Mary Sue Hubbard until after I left. Oh, yeah, no, they erase her from all. Well, I mean, we knew about her because we were erasing her from all the photographs and all of the videos. And it was like, who's this broad? Yeah, we got to take her out. Wow. But, um, but yeah. Okay, so that was in the early 90s when yes. you met her. You were in qualifications. Now, when did you start to work with her more closely? Was there, was it, there was a, a period when you were still in Golden Era Productions in the qualifications division when you got to work with her more closely, or did that happen when you afterwards? 
So, yes, it was while I was still in Golden Era Productions. And Shelley, um, I came to learn, was very involved with the handling of the top celebrities in Scientology, especially Tom Cruise, but also Kirstie Alley, um, even a, a little bit Jason Begay. Um, Certainly, with, oh, yeah. Lisa Marie Presley was another one. Um, yeah, so so so, and the way I became involved um, is that Shelley handpicked me to work with these celebrities. They would get brought to the property, which was very unusual. You know, it's not it's. I mean, it's normal at that base, but I'd never seen it before. Like I know, I know Tom Cruise and Nicole had been to that property, but that was before I arrived. So it was just yeah. kind of like, um, you know, this like legend or myth of, you know, oh, I, I knew that he'd been there, but I'd never seen a celebrity there. So then at this time, around this time in 1993, 1994, it started to become a thing again. And I think even I remember John Travolta being brought through on a tour of the course room where I worked, um, you know, late at night, but we were like required to stay there. And we were like, hello, you know. <laughs> That's true. We would be props. Sometimes these celebrities, Scientology celebrities, or sometimes even not Scientology celebrities would be brought to the international headquarters and it didn't matter what time of day or night it was the whole place would get set up and everybody would go to their work areas it could be two o'clock in the morning and they'd walk through and it would be just like oh hey how's it going and it'd be like right. okay yes and you were and all the staff were told like don't say anything stupid. Don't say. Yeah, and this, do you remember that the staff were kind of cherry picked for that? Like it was always like you know the young, bright, bubbly kind of. I was like... just gonna say, all you old fatties, you gotta get, you gotta go. We're gonna leave the young, hot people here, and that—that's seriously, that's what would happen. You would be in your area, and you'd be like, "You're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out," and okay, you three stay, and then you'd be the staff in that area and everybody else would be, get sent home or, you know, whatever, or they would be cleaning in an area that hadn't been cleaned up enough. And we would white glove for sometimes it would, if, if it was short notice, it would be the night before, but sometimes we would be white gloving or cleaning for like weeks before they'd come through. Yes. But, um, okay. Absolutely. So then, so these celebrities are coming to the property and they're getting some sort of counseling. And then what, what how do you, how would Shelly be part of that? And how would you be involved in that? Yes. So Shelly worked very closely with Ray Midoff at the time. He was the head guy overseeing, you know, the counseling and training of celebrities. Um, so it was, it was always Shelly and Ray and, um, but Shelley was the, the final authority, or maybe maybe David Miscavige was, but it, it appeared to me that we had to pass with Shelley, and then we were going to be the, the, the people who were doing the handlings with these celebrities. And so um, at first, I think I was picked to be a, a supervisor, meaning a teacher, like overseeing them, just studying things. Um, and then in, and then later I, I was picked to be what's called the examiner, which is like, if somebody gets a counseling session with a counselor at the end of the session, you have to go see somebody else, pick up the, the cans on the e-meter and the examiner has to just observe your facial expressions and the action of your needle. And to pass an exam, it has to be a floating needle. And you say, thank you, your needle is floating. So the examiner is sort of like a double check to make yes. sure, like, because the the counselor, or the what they call in Scientology, the auditor, the the counselor could just say, oh yeah, everything went great, this person's super happy, and that's how it ended. Even though the person could be like, uh, this is not good, I don't like you, I don't like this place, everything about this is bad. So in order to sort of circumvent that. The auditor has to take the person they're counseling to another person at the end of the of the counseling at the session, and then they bring it to what's called the examiner. So that would be you. So who are the kind of people that uh, Shelley would uh, uh, have come to you after they were doing these counseling? Like name some people, like anybody sure. we know. Yes, of course, lots of them. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Lisa Marie Presley was one. Okay. 
Um, and this was, I think, 1994. It was at the time that she was married to Michael Jackson. Okay. And um, and also, I think an important element to bring up at this point is that mm -hmm. this was 1994. Already at this point, everything was being recorded. So um, when you say recorded, the counseling sessions are being recorded. Yes, and then and are the, the exams? Okay, so where there were cameras set up where you were doing this final double check at the end of the sessions, those were also being recorded. Yes. And did they know? Did the celebrities know they were being recorded? You know, that's a good question. Because I, I remember setting up those rooms <laughs> myself. Like I personally put the cameras in the rooms at the base and the examination, like in, in the wherever qualifications were, wherever the qualifications department was or division was, we were setting, we were the ones setting up the cameras for those in, in a lot of those instances, including the final building that they have now. Yeah. But, um, but I never knew if they knew, cause they were, they were in pictures, like picture frames with a pinhole like hidden, camera in it. Hidden yeah. cameras, yeah. I always, when I was there, I always assumed that they did until several years later in 2003 when Marty Rathbun was um, counseling Tom Cruise at Celebrity Center. And it very specifically came up then that he adamantly did not want to be recorded and he was recorded anyway. I was just um, going to say they would usually they'd have rooms that the cameras were more obvious. Yeah. And then if somebody said, "Hey, I don't want to be recorded," be like, okay, good, we're going to take you to this other room. And then you go to another room, you're like, "Oh yeah, this is much <laughs> better." Hidden. And be like, the cameras are just more well hidden in this room. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that that later 2003 <sighs> thing with Tom Cruise made me reflect back and go like. Maybe they didn't know they were getting recorded. And maybe I just assumed that because, you know, why question things? You know, again, the evolution of thought on this whole thing. But so back to back to this. So this was, again, 1994, I think. So I was examiner for Lisa Marie, yeah. Kirstie Alley, um, Ron Moss, even at one point, that was a little bit later, which we'll and get to that. Ron Moss was Chick Corea's manager. manager, like a business manager. Yes. And so he wasn't a big celebrity, but he was associated with Chick Corea and he was actually being investigated and interrogated by Marty Rathbun. And he was being blamed for the, um, the mess that was Chikoria's finances. And then, of course, that's when uh, Manhattan Studio ended up getting purchased from Chick. Um, by Scientology. By Scientology, Scientology bought Chikoria's studio to make him, I guess, whole or more whole and have some money. And he moved to Clearwater and kind of set up shop there. I, I want to say as like uh, as in exchange, like there was like a, some sort of deal made. Yeah. But um, I remember that because I remember it being spread around at the Ent base that Ron Moss was flush. Like Ron Moss mm -hmm. had tons of money. Right. And that he'd ripped off. He was involved in financial irregularities. Yeah. And, and, and he meanwhile, was the Chick, Chick had no money. Yeah. Chick <laughs> was broke, but his manager was rich. And I don't know, to be fair, because a lot of the stories that we've come to learn from talking with people that a lot of the stories that David Miscavige tells us are David Miscavige's version of the story. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know Ron personally. I did watch a video where he kind of is bewildered by, um, he, like he was interviewed by like another music YouTuber or something. Yeah. And he's sort of bewildered on, I don't know what happened. There was like, we were doing great. Everything was great. And then I, everybody just stopped talking to me. Yeah. And then, and then Chick Corea passed away. Not, not too long after that. Mm -hmm. And then Ron's just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And I'm like, I know what happened. Remember when you were getting security checked at the int base for several weeks? Um, yeah. and then after that, they never talked to you again. It was because of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet from my p personal interactions with Ron yeah. that that Elizabeth Moss is the only reason he's still in Scientology. And conversely, I think the only reason Elizabeth ha is still in Scientology is because of Ron. You know, it's one of those like yeah. they never compared notes because I remember one time Ron 
uh, I, so I went in to give an, uh, give an exam. And at the end, I was just making my notes. And he goes, um, so are you married? And I said, yeah, I've been married for 18 years. And he was like, were you in preschool when you got married? Like, it was just kind of this strange conversation that, you know, a normal Scientologist getting interrogated at the at the headquarters by the top religious technology center guy would never ask questions like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and he he could be putting on a show that he doesn't know what happened to keep everything cool. True. So um, he doesn't have to talk about it. And also, so he doesn't get, doesn't get pulled back in if he's still kind of in the fold or whatever. Yeah. But so how does so so essentially, whenever uh, Shelly had a celebrity or somebody that was celebrity adjacent that needed to get dealt with, you sort of became a, a trusted Sea Org member um, that would then interact with those people. And, and, that's, yes. and that is a rare thing at the Int base. Um, yes. There's a lot of people there. There's, there was, you know, in upwards of almost a thousand people there when we were there. But not necessarily every one of those thousand people, Shelley, would say, okay, you're going to do this when this person finishes this or whatever. So, Right. Yeah, no, it was just like a team of about five or six people that were hand-selected to work with these celebrities. And it would even, like, every detail was attended to. She would inspect the rooms where they were going to be getting their training. She would inspect our, the, our uniforms. Like sometimes we would end up getting new, brand new uniforms, haircuts, you name it. It was, um, I mean, short of going getting Manny Petties, which we never did um, until later years, actually. We'll get to that. I was going <laughs> to say. I just remembered. <laughs> I know about some Manny Petties that were going down up there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and actually, you just reminded me of one part I skipped over, uh, where I did have interactions with Shelley was at the night, the famous 1993 um, IAS event, the big, the famous, the war is over, you know, where the IRS tax exempt status was announced, because you and I both were worked back behind the scenes on that one. I was first a flag bearer. But then I was selected to be one of the walk-on girls to carry on the Waterford Crystal Trophy. I'm pretty sure you brought out the Waterford Crystal Trophy that was given to Monique Yingling. Yep, I think so. I'll have to check the video. I actually found that video on YouTube. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, you, you brought it out me. for somebody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I just remember, oh my gosh, I was panicked so hardcore because we didn't know what sequence those people were going to come up on stage. And so we were we were kind of like at the mercy of David Miscavige. We were just holding the trophies with the plaque facing to him. But, you know, if anything went sideways, I knew I was going to be thrown under the bus in a heartbeat kind of thing. <laughs> I remember also that these crystals were like insane and expensive it yes. was some it was it was it was almost like incomprehensible to a seahawk member of totally you know three or four years like oh this is a trophy this is worth fifty thousand dollars yes do not drop it it's made of glass <laughs> and you're just yeah. like what? no pressure like <laughs> just mind-boggling like you may as well have said we're carrying the crown jewels on stage you yeah. know from a seahawk member's perspective it was just outrageous everything about it like Never normally wore heels, never normally wore a I was dress, just going to say. Never yeah. normally wore wake makeup, never normally walked on a stage in front of, you know, however many people were in, were in yeah, the L.A. sports 25, arena. 25,000 people. <laughs> well, hey, good news. We have more subscribers than I that know. now. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so that that's part of where I realized how Shelly was, so, was so much behind the scenes kind of managing events and managing you know, the, I realized that's when I really saw her in action for the first time as David Miscavige's assistant. Um, but yeah, so then later, where the, the celebrity handlings, I think the next major one that that I remember was Michael and Andrea Dovin, who were Tom Cruise's assistants at the time, and this, of course, was at the time when Tom Cruise was not actively in Scientology; he had drifted away. But now at this point, are you still in the qualifications division yes. of Golden Air Productions? Okay, good. So yes. you were so when you say Michael and Andrea Dovin, uh Andrea Dovin 
was Nicole Kidman's assistant. I think so. Michael Dovin was Tom Cruise's assistant. And they both actually worked at a company called Odin. Yes. Which was Tom Cruise's production company. And they also ran that product. They were executives at that production company, but they were also his assistants. So what did they, what did you have to do with them and Shelly? How does that all work out? Yes. So Shelly was just telling me what I was going to be doing with them. And what was different about this particular time, there was a few things. Number one, um, they weren't actual celebrities. They were, you know, assistants to celebrities. But I, that's where I first learned that Michael and Andrea had been reporting to David and Shelley Miscavige about Tom Cruise and Nicole and about their personal lives. Um, if not every day, then every week. Like I was, it was kind of shocking how much information was going to David and Shelley Miscavige on this celebrity. Um, and the reason Michael and Andrea were there at the headquarters was they were getting interrogated and they were being put through ethics handling for not reporting enough. Or I, I didn't, I didn't know the exact details as to, uh, what was going on at that time. And, and Later, who was doing their interrogations? Um, uh, to my memory, it was um, Greg Wilhair, I think, or, and or Marty Rathbun at the time. Okay, so they were being interrogated mm-hmm. by RTC, Religious Technology Center, people that work directly for David Miscavige. Yep. They're being interrogated by those people, and then they're coming to you for an exam, or they're coming for you to do, like, as a result of the interrogations, they have assignments, and someone needs to work with them on the assignments? Yes, so I was I was doing word clearing, you know, where you make the person read Hubbard texts out loud, and then you clear words with them, mm-hmm. uh, of the ethics book, which is the the Scientology Bible on the justice system of Scientology. And that was where Michael, when I was work clearing him, uh, he was talking and just started talking about um, how he had disagreements with, you know, physical violence he'd observed of Tom Cruise throwing a staff member up against a fridge, for example. Um, and, and you know, here's me, little old me. I'm just like, holy, holy moly. <laughs> I guess uh, Tom Cruise is not at the, or David Miscavige is not the only one who has tendencies towards physical violence. Little outbursts, <laughs> little tantrums. Right. Little, yeah. little little man tantrums. So, okay, and, so. And you know how it is, too, in Scientology. That's a critical a critical thing to say. Well, well I was just going to say, so, but, but Michael Dovin was being interrogated, and he was basically this uh, when you have to word clear the ethics scientology ethics book that's sort of like a penance that's a it's a punishment now you because you didn't do this you didn't uh whatever you're supposed to do you didn't do what you were we were assi- you were assigned to do now you are in a, either a a condition below uh where you should be operating or you're not um getting off your overts and your withholds. You're not uh, telling everything that you're up to. So he, he was doing that and you were the person assigned to to help him get through those steps. Yes, exactly. And did Andrea, was she going through a similar sort of thing? And did you have to do a s- similar sort of thing with her as well? Yes, I wasn't. She she was going through the same handlings. I wasn't doing her word clearing, but I did some some of the exams for Andrea. So I, I, you know, I absolutely knew and interacted with both Andrea and Michael at that time. And what, Um, and what time was that when you say at that time, like 94, 95? Yeah. So this was 94, maybe 95. And of course, at the end of every day, I would write up a very detailed report and send that to Shelly. And you would send that directly to Shelly? Yes. And were you, did you CC other people or did you copy other people on it? Or was it just from, uh, you know, Claire and in gold to, or what was your post? You were the, what was your post, your post in golden era production? Yeah, I'm trying time? to remember what my post KTL was at that time. Yeah, I was either, I might have been the, the staff correct. section officer. There you go. Yeah, SSO. So, but um, you were sending it from your post in gold directly to COB assistant. 
Yeah. I'm sure that I did copy my senior who was the qualifications secretary, mm-hmm. <laughs> whoever that was at the time. I don't even remember. I think it was Melissa Feshbeck, if I remember correctly. I think okay. she was the call sec then. Um, <clears throat> but, but so I would CC a, like my direct senior, but other than that, no, it was just between me and Shelly. Which, by the way, if you're in Scientology or you're trained on Scientology administrative administrative technology and how the org organizing board and all, this is 100% not per that. Like to have a person deep, deep, deep in an organization talking directly to the top of the Scientology org board is kind of not standard. Yeah, exactly. To, to put it mildly, it's like, yeah, but yeah. So, um, so during these interactions, I, I kind of got to know Shelly more like, you know, and I would spend time with the person in religious technology center who was overseeing, overseeing these handling. So for example, when Lisa Marie was, um, there at the property getting Lisa Marie Presley. Lisa Marie Presley. Okay. It was in the um uh the buildings above Qual, like the the Arcomps little The ranchos. Yeah, the ranchos, exactly. Yeah. And so um the auditor was auditing Lisa Marie. Then there was a person from Religious Technology Center in another room watching the video live. Like, you know, and taking notes. And I was required to sit in that office with this person. It was Lynn. Um, Lynn Engen was her mm-hmm. name. Lynn Forgy, she became later. Anyway, so she was taking notes. And Shelly would call in like almost every hour. And it was, it just became very obvious to me that they were like, literally recording and taking notes real time. And then Shelly was calling. And so David Miscavige was getting like, hour to hour updates on what was happening with Lisa Marie. And when you say she was in a room, so she was being interrogated on the e-meter? Yeah, and getting different auditing. Okay, so somebody was counseling her slash interrogating, whatever. Yeah. And Dave and Shelly were just keeping tabs on it. And somebody was in the room watching the feed of of the counseling and taking notes. And then that way, when they'd call, that person would be able to update them. Yeah, she did this, and this happened on this. And then, so... Yeah. So, and this is Lisa Marie Presley. So we already know they got Andrea and Michael with the with uh, the cruise camp, mm-hmm. and then they got um, Lisa Marie's getting counseling. They're keeping tabs on that. So Shelley really was, um, she was seriously keeping track of these celebrities, and that she was. is also. It seems like this whole time we've been talking. Your your main interaction with Shelly was what had was celebrity related in That's almost right. every instance, and which is so okay. So then the next, what's the next milestone of your relationship with Shelly? So you're doing all that because now this is kind of crazy because weren't you supposed to be? Weren't you went in, you eventually end up in Religious Technology Center. So how did that happen? Yes. So. Um... I erroneously thought, you know, obviously our lives were miserable there at the headquarters. They were getting worse and worse by the day. So I kind of somehow got this idea in my head that, well, um, obviously the people in Religious Technology Center, they're amazing. They're all rock stars. And, you know, I would love to work there. And I did really like Shelly, honestly. Um, Even though she was intimidating to me, I was far more intimidated by David Miscavige. Um, I just never really, I don't know, <laughs> just, um, it, Shelly wasn't as, Shelly wasn't as rough around the edges. As no, was. she was exactly. She was a little bit more cool, calm and collected. She could be stern and strict, but not with, there wasn't a lot of, I mean, I don't really think I ever heard her really yell that much. She might kind of talk loud, but she was pretty much, um, oh, she, she yelled at me. I understand, <laughs> but I'm just saying in terms of Dave. 
Dave was going crazy oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah, and very abusive and physically violent and all that, which I I wasn't aware of how bad it was just yet at this point. This was still ni- 1995. So either way, I got it in my head to that I should try and get myself promoted to Religious Technology Center. So I would frequently write to them like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I got through all the different steps that were required and oh, some, so you were actively trying to get into that joint? Yes, I oh, was. Yeah. See, I didn't know that part. <laughs> I didn't know that you were like, and by this time we had been married. You never told me this. You never no. told me. Oh, I'm writing to RTC. I'm getting. I'm getting out of this golden era. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that when you said the RTC guys, they always had nice uniforms. They were always clean. They got the highest level of food and. St- the, the people that they had people that served them at the meals. So like if you're in Golden Air Productions and you're working with me in the manufacturing department, ain't nobody bringing you no food. OK, no. but the RTC people, they had stewards that waited on them like, oh, do you need it? Would you want some toast with your eggs or, you know, that kind of stuff? Not 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 anything crazy, but way more than anybody else got. Yeah. And to and to be clear, I think it was. Just a tad selfishly mo- motivated in that they always seem to get sleep as well. Yep. And well, by that point, yeah. you know, we were already like <laughs> well beyond the pa- the point of no return. Like it would already have taken us a month to catch up and get like to be well rested, <laughs> quote yeah. unquote, right? <laughs> That's always fun when somebody be like, did you get enough sleep last night? It's like, well, I got five hours, but I got one hour for the five nights before that. So that five hour don't seem like that much right now. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The amount of times we, the all nighters anyway. So, so yeah, so I started writing and then somewhere in there, I think Shelly became aware that I was going to, so then I was on their list of people who was going to be going to religious technology center. And at some point it was no longer me pushing, but I'd been chosen and they were just getting, approval because it had to to get into religious technology center you had to receive final approval from david miscavige himself uh, of course so um, and and wasn't it also a policy because this is something where it was a little bit mysterious how you ended up doing this because almost every single person that goes to rtc has to spend a certain amount of time within the commodore's messenger organization so that at least for for just Joe Schmoes like me down in Golden Era Productions, it was perceived as a requirement in order to get into RTC. You sort of had to go through um, these different levels of the organization. And somehow you just skipped over all that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that happened. But was think- there a requirement? At, you be, Once you became in RTC, you knew that there, there it was an actual requirement. Well, it became a firm requirement after I was already in Religious Technology Center. Oh, that you had to go through the CMO to get into RTC? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was actually doing messenger training while I was in Religious Technology Center under Shelly. Shelly was running me on it. But wow. we, we can get to that later in terms of explaining that because it's, you know, it's a little complicated. And it was pretty shocking, actually, <laughs> at the end of it. So, But either way, so some somewhere in in mid to late 2005, no, 1995, 1995. sorry, I'm jumping decades, 1995, um, Darnell Bloomberg, who is Larice Stukenbrock's sister, and who was now, so had now taken over as the internal executive. So she's the person responsible for bringing any new people into Religious Technology Center. And she came down and had a conversation with me. When you say came down, she went to Golden Air Productions. Yes, yes, exactly. Whenever you're south side of the property. (laughs) Well, no. Whenever you're in Golden Air Productions, anyone who comes to you came down to you because they're all above you. (laughs) So that's why I'm saying even if they work in an organization which is physically lower on the property, they came down to see you from their high levels of organizational position. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so oh, Darnell mental, came and saw you. The mental madness of it all frequently <laughs> pops up on me. Yes, Darnell came to talk to me, and she said, Shelly wants you to be um, the RTC representative for Celebrity Center, which now, of course, with all this um, experience with celebrities, you know, at the time made perfect sense. I was like, okay. Um, of course, 
again, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel I had the, the opportunity to say no. I certainly would have been like, if I would have said, but what about my husband? That would have been a really bad thing to say, because then I'd be 2D oriented, uh, you know, putting my relationship with you ahead of a, a, a huge promotion, right? That would have gotten me kicked off the list for Religious Technology Center pretty much instantly. So I was like, sure, yeah, I'm on board. That's great. I'll let Mark know. He'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> True, right? Yeah. So it wasn't exactly like an easy conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, um, so I ended up getting approved for Religious Technology Center in March 1996. And the very next day, I was flown to Clearwater, Florida. Um, and, and ironically, too, like, um, so I was approved for Religious Technology Center around 7 p.m. Um, and so I was no longer in gold. I went home at midnight. And I, I'm not kidding. I slept until 6 p.m. the next day. Because were, nobody knew nobody that you knew, weren't in yeah, gold. But the RTC even, guys were like, well, maybe she's still in gold. I so you just didn't show to. up. Yeah, I didn't even mean to. It was just that I had been sleeping like two hours a night and I was so exhausted. And nobody came to bang on my door until 6 p.m. when Gil Llewellyn, who was the security watch guy at the apartments, yeah. was like banging on my door. That's what woke me up. I don't know if I ever and, would have woken up. And what did he say? He just said, hey. <laughs> he was like, aren't you supposed to be um, at the base? Somebody's calling. And I was like, uh, I had to really think quick on my feet. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going in now. I got home, you know, how like, did like 4 a.m. How did you get back to the base? Or where were, where there, were you It was living? like. Yeah, I, so this was at was, Vista, right? Or were we at Kirby? No, we still? were still at Kirby Gardens at this okay. point. Apartment building but, in Hemet. Yeah, but you're right. You were not there. Um, but there was a bus that was going to be taking people into the property that was leaving in like like 10 a night minutes. shift bus yes. that would bring in the people yeah. that slept during. Yeah, the so day. I was like, yeah, I was on the night shift. <laughs> <laughs> and then where did you go? Did you go back to RTC? Yes, so I got to the property and I you went. Like, hey, I went and go took a little nap reported. for a few days. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> like Rip Van Winkle over here. <laughs> Thanks for letting me come in twelve hours late to post today. Yeah, and David Miscavige and Shelley Miscavige were already in Clearwater, Florida at this point, so it was kind of like anyway, I, it just fell between cracks. Nobody. Really but then realized. you just immediately flew. Yeah. To Florida. Yeah, I think what, that next day or that the, next day. Yeah, so okay. I took a red eye flight to. Um, Tampa, Florida, which again was super weird. Like, you know, you got dropped off at the airport. Yes, I had flown before, but never by myself. And, you know, I don't know. It, it's weird when you've been sequestered in that headquarters environment. For and then so you're just long. like, and then you're just like out in the world and you have no idea how <laughs> things work. And you're just none. like, where do I go? What do none. I do? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I, yeah. Like Starman, you know, you're yeah. like, Wow, what's going on around here? I hadn't. I don't think I'd been in Los Angeles. I mean, uh, you know, other than visiting my parents for two hours here or there for yeah. any length of time, and certainly hadn't been to LAX in, I don't know, a long time. So, so you go to Florida. Dave Miscavige and Shelley Miscavige are in Florida because during this time, there's a huge push. David Miscavige has worked up some big mastermind marketing thing, which is called the golden age of tech. Yeah. But it wasn't called that at the time. There was just this new training system that he was going to do. And he was doing that in Florida at the flag, what's called the flag land base in downtown Clearwater. He was training all the people in all the people that were doing counseling and training people out of doing counseling and Scientology. He was training them on his new system on how yep. to do it. And, the, and you went, in and started in RTC in Florida at that doing that. Yes, that's right. And and but how almost, often were you react or were you how often were you involved with Shelley at that point when you got there? Yeah, not not very much initially. However, there was an incident like within a week or two, within the first few weeks of me arriving into Religious Technology Center. It was really bizarre, um, <clears throat> but. So long story short, 
um, somebody in Religious Technology Center had been copying David Miscavige's internal emails. Um, Bob Champagne. When he was in RTC. Yes. He was like, what was he? He was, was he, like the internal security officer, I was think the, was his that's, title. That's exactly what he was. He was because yeah. he was a security guard for his whole for all his based years that we knew him. He was a security guard, and then he essentially became a security per personnel uh, in RTC. Yes. Okay, and he was copying David Miscavige's his emails. Yes. And how does that? How do you get involved with that? Or how does <laughs> Shelley and you get involved in that? Yeah. So, uh, so essentially anyone who was in Clearwater, Florida at that time, who was religious technology center staff was called into the WB, the West coast building, um, mm -hmm. which was where the David Miscavige had private offices at that time. I think he still, well, no, he wouldn't still have them have those, but who knows either way he had, he had personal, a whole wing of that building that was purely for his use and there was a conference room in there and so <clears throat> all of us were jammed in there uh, because by this point there was i think 21 um rtc staff who were training to be representatives so all of us were were packed in there and david miscavige and shelly um would come in for like an hour or two at a time and he would just be screaming at us the entire time and then he would leave to take a phone call or something and we all just had to stand at attention the whole time he was gone i was like holy shit balls i was wrong about it being better here in religious technology center than golden era oh boy did so i get this wrong how many weeks in was this or days in when this happened after you got to Florida. It like, was like a week or two. Okay, like so it was you don't very early on. So like, within the first month, yes, you got a taste of like up until then you're just like you're going to work every day, you're doing your thing, but you don't have any interaction with Dave or Shelley on the on the on the majority. It's just you're just doing your day to day activities. This was okay. like being thrown into the boiling pot of water, <laughs> sincerely. Oh, but it's about to get much, much worse with yeah. what happened on this. So, and again, it's Florida, March, hot, humid. We're wearing heels, you know, the the nylon, you know, um, class A uniform. Like, it was a lot. And I was not used to being in Florida Anyway, about six hours into this, I collapsed. The only reason I didn't hit the ground completely is because Antonella Teasy was standing next to me and kind of physically caught me. And Shelly was like, uh-oh, we got a head case on our hands. And she, I just remember that specific statement because she was there. I don't, I think David Miscavige was there too, um, which was just beyond embarrassing. Anyway, I got carted out of there. And this was the time when, um, you gotta be yeah. very, you gotta be, I, very... I will be, I'll be very careful. <laughs> um, I was put in a room and given a pregnancy test, which I don't even on. I, to this day, I do not understand why this was done. Um, and it was positive. Anyway, the rest of it, the rest of this part of the story we talked about on the Aftermath series, we'll just leave it at that. This was, um, but the point of the context of this story is that, you know, it was extreme pressure and it was a really awful, awful situation to be in. And who had that conversation with you about? About what I had to go, what they yeah, were like make somebody in RTCs. Sue, Sue Wilhair, Sue okay, Wilhair so. Gentry. But I knew as well that she was directly reporting to Shelley. I can't remember what she said that made me know that, but I knew it. Okay, um, so so you have that. Mm -hmm. When's the next time that you're meeting up with Dave or Shelley on any uh, regular basis after yeah. that? After yeah. that that interaction or that yeah. that episode. Yeah, so um, we would have phone calls with sometimes with Shelly, sometimes with Dave on a regular basis because they left Clearwater shortly after that. Um, but we were required to stay there to get every get all the the staff training completed in in time for the launch of the Golden Age of Tech, which was scheduled for May 1996, and that is when that happened. 
And so we had to, you know, report up daily on what was happening on all that. Um, and you guys would just be on a big conference call at the WB each night or at some yeah. point, And then you just say what, where everything stood. Yes. And then Dave and Shelley would be on the other end and say, okay, we well, need to do this. You need to do that or whatever. Yes. And we would send reports to them on various different things. And at some point too, um, I started just having conversations with Shelley directly. Um, for example, when the whole thing happened with um, Jenna Miscavige Hill, who was of course Shelley's niece and Jenna's mom, Biddy, um, got in a lot of trouble and was sent back. And I was then tasked to escort Jenna back to the the property, the headquarters in California. Cause I was the literally the only person Jenna trusted. She, like several other RTC staff members were handling her and then locked her in a room and she lost it and correctly. So, I mean, she was a minor. It was like, you know, in retrospect, looking back on it, the whole thing was so psychotic. But and, and Jenna, I don't know. I'm not sure why Jenna acted like this, but Jenna was not a typical Sea Org member um, where she would just do whatever you told her to do. If mm-hmm. you if you were a, a, an authority figure in the Sea Org and you told Jenna to do something, Jenna didn't want to do it. She'd just be like, no, go fly a kite. I don't, I don't, I'm, you're not my boss. Like, what? Right. Are, you don't, you don't talk to me and tell me what to do. And you're just like, where's this, where's this gal come from? She's a wild one. <laughs> she totally. just does whatever she wants. Yes. But, and then they, then that, and, and to be fair, that was one of the reasons why she was, the RTC people were having to deal with her is because she didn't listen to anybody. Yeah, no, including she, them. No, no. <laughs> okay, absolutely so but Shelly was directing. Shelly was um, the one who was directing. Okay, you're going to do this. You're going to come back with. You're going to go back to the base with Jenna from Florida to California, and you're going to, you know, she was the one that you were reporting to or talking to about that. That's right. Yeah. It it started happening more and more frequently that there were just specific things that. I would report directly to Shelly on, um, you know, whether it was Jenna or, you know, there were mul- there were several other examples. And these weren't things when I want when you say certain things, I want to say these weren't um, parts of your your job function or right. they weren't something that you would do on a regular basis. And then Shelly would come to you and say, hey, I need you to deal with this specific situation or put this fire out or help with this. And so you're doing when you and when you do things like that. Um, people notice when yes. you, you're that person, when you're the person that's doing something for Dave, or you're the person that's doing something for Shelly. Um, even if it's not your job, you become, you get your level, your position, your status kind of gets bumped up a little bit that you're this job, but you also have this extra thing where you're the go-to person for Dave yep. or Shelly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And everybody knows that. Everybody yep. you work with knows that. Every And you c- sort of get into a little bit of an untouchable zone where that's people true. are going to mess with you a little less because you could just, you know, happen to mention that that person treated you not so nicely to Dave or Shelley and then that person could be disappeared or, yeah. you know, they go, they get moved away or something. It yeah. is a thing. And it's a real no, thing. No, no, you're absolutely right. And there were certain people that would, that that would like, inflate their ego like oh they're that person that wasn't my perspective at least i hope i never came off that way i was just kind of like just trying to get through to the next day though i will admit in in, when after you escaped that's the one time i used that to my advantage (laughs) and i used that to be able to call you and pretended it was Shelly or Larisse or whoever, you know? So I, I do admit to that, you know, it was not always (laughs) like, I got to take a call from Shelly. Yeah. It really is really my husband who escaped. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I know. I was remembering that when, cause I've been writing my book obviously. And I was like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Okay. So at what point, so now you're 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 doing these extra little things projects or you're doing things for Shelly directly and now you're in RTC. So yes. they can trust you with a lot more because you're sort of you're sworn into that inner circle. RTC, so as you as you get higher in the C organization, the circles get 
much smaller and smaller and smaller until once you're an RTC, you're really talking about maybe 30 to 40 people that are in that circle. And they're the hardcore. These are the people, these are the lifers. These people, some of these people have been in the Sea Org 20, 30 years. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. Shelly used to say all the time. With rank comes responsibility. It's a quote from Hubbard. And and the way that she expressed it and explained it to me, like, you're done with your life. You're at this rank now. This is this is your life. This is takes seniority and priority over everything. And she also um, on several occasions said, when you become staff in Religious Technology Center, the highest organization that there is, you have, quote, forgone your right to leave, unquote. And that was what she would say all the, like on a regular basis, just like people in religious technology center do not get to escape. It's just not a thing. And, you know, and again, she was a person of authority. She was also somewhat of a mentor. I don't know that I would say that I considered her a friend, but, but uh, mentor and, and boss, absolutely and somebody that I respected. So I took that at face value and I believed her and it was backed up by real examples. For example, Sue Wilhair Gentry who escaped to Africa was brought back because she was religious technology center staff. To me, that meant, yeah, when somebody escapes from religious technology center, they are brought right back, period. No lengths will not be gone to to get that person back. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So now you're doing these things like this. When do you find out that? Because because cer- certainly all of the people that were brought to Florida for this training thing, this golden age of tech, this release that David Miscavige is going to do to all of Scientology. And and according to him, this is going to revolutionize Scientology. We're going to have more members than ever. Everyone's going to get trained on how to be a counselor. And this whole thing is going to be like a um, like a snowball effect. Once this happens, it's just going to blow the doors wide off everything. Yeah. Um, all of the people that were brought to Florida for that eventually became what were called RTC representatives. Yes. So at what point do you find out that you are now going to be an RTC representative? Well, I knew that even when I went to Florida. You knew that when you went to Florida originally, that's how this was all going to end? Yes. But you didn't know where you were going to go. No, I knew I was going to be at Celebrity Really? You knew the whole time? The whole time. I knew the whole time that I was was (laughs) – slated remember i was slated to become look at this chick over here she's just like she was just never gonna come back to the end base she left in 1996 <laughs> and she was just never gonna come back and i'm here like i wonder when she's gonna come back <laughs> she's well, like no, i'm I never coming her, back <laughs> i thought no 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 i thought so in my mind you know how you uh, you have a a, a an idea of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And my idea was I was told I was just going to go to Florida for two weeks to do yeah. this training. I remember that part. And then I was going to come back and I was going to be celebrity RTC rep celebrity center. And I would see you during every Sunday during CSP time. That's wow. That's CSP is was... clean ship program. That's where you do yeah. your laundry and wipe your room down and clean up. Yeah. Um, okay. We are getting off track, yes, but we are. Um, we are coming up on the end of this. I just wanted to find out, do you want to end, do you want to do, I think we might need to do another one. I think yeah. we might need to do another interview where we pick up, like we end what happened in, Flo- we end off in your on your Florida years and then yeah. we go to the next place. Perfect. But, yes. But so I think we end with the final thing where you got in trouble and Shelly, which we somewhat covered that, but I I'll, I can just finish with that from my perspective. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. So in I, relation to Shelly, because that's right. ba- Basically, the almost all of your, I want to say almost all of your um, work in RTC throughout the years was heavily Shelly involved. Like every part so. where you interacted with her. It was all along the same celebrity vein for the most part. And it yep. was also, 
you were doing things for Shelly. All That's these right. things, you were doing things for Shelly. So uh, from Golden Era Productions to the RTC rep to then being the, you know, going into RTC at the international base and then all these sort of things. So yep. when so this thing that happened, you're in Florida. Yes. You're doing your thing. And then what happens? Something happens with me. And then what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I get told somehow, I think by Shelly, if I remember correctly, that, that you had gotten in trouble or I somehow got word that you were in trouble, which was not unusual to be fair. Yeah. It happened on a fairly frequent basis. And, you know, you were, I would always say you were one of those people that was either on top of the world or underneath it. <laughs> like you were either the rock star of the day or the schmucko of the day, you know? Um, I had about a 70, 30 batting <laughs> average, you know, yeah. 70% on top of the world, the 30%. Under yeah. the world, but usually that thirty percent, I went very deep, very, very deep, deep, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, oh, hopefully I'm going to see Mark again. Um, yeah, so so somewhere in there, I I knew that I was going to be going to L.A. Um, to actually put Ann Rathbun and the the RTC office in Pack at the Big Blue Buildings. I was going to do a mission with. Um, with another RTC rep to put them on post. Like we were going to have exact like a project. steps. Exact steps. They called it a do. mission. So yeah. Hubbard called when Seward members. for everything. But when Seward members went anywhere to do anything, he called it a mission. Yes. Um, and it was like, it was mission impossible. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you had to, you had project mission orders and you had a mission in charge, a mission IC in charge. Yep. And then you had a mission second and a mission third. And depending on if you and had I like, was, so I was the mission in charge. Okay. And so I was, I was reporting on all these project steps every day to, um, Sue Wilhair, but I was, oh, I would always copy, um, David Miscavige and Shelly Miscavige. And okay. so a few different times, again, Shelly would call and say, you know, what's going on? You're taking too long, blah, 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 blah. Um, anyway, so at this time, I was still thinking, I knew you'd been in some trouble, but I was still thinking that I wasn't really sure what was going to happen after I got done with this mission. And at some point, Shelly called me and said, okay, you need to be done with this by Tuesday and you're coming back to the the property. And um, and I can't remember honestly if she told me during that call or. But when, when I you got say back, the property, you mean in the the, the, the int base in yeah. Gilman Hot Springs, California, not Florida, not Los Angeles. That's right. I had I for some reason had thought that I would either go back to Florida or go straight on post at Celebrity Center, but she told Shelly is the one who told me no. There's been a change of plans. You're going to be positioned here at the headquarters in Gilman Hot Springs, and she didn't tell me why. She I, it was only when I talked to you later that you were like, yeah, Shelly said that I owe her one. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, okay then, change of plans, good thing because uh, yeah, I didn't think the thought through ever which does tell you something about how much in trouble i was i got in trouble and when they asked me why i was being a pain in the ass and not doing what they want i was like because you took my wife and you put her in a different state and i'm not cool with that and they said okay we're gonna bring her for you yes just chill out and keep being awesome stop being a pain in our ass yep and i was like no problem. Uh, you asked me what was going on. I told you what was going on. Now that yep. you got my wife here, hey, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll play ball with you guys some more. Yeah, I was literally yeah. like, I'm going on strike. How about yeah. that? You like you like it when I'm awesome. How about when I'm not awesome? Yeah. Um, okay. So Shelly is the one who told you. Um, Shelly's the and and really we both know Shelly's the one who worked that whole thing out. That's right. She yep. was the one who found out. What's happening with this guy? Because I was I was being a rock star, yeah, and I was getting a ton of stuff done, yeah, and I was getting um, like things that had been being tried to get done for years, yeah, were not being done, and then I showed up and they started getting done, and then when I started like being a little uh, pain in the butt, then it was like we got to figure this out because he was kind of getting some stuff done, yeah. I and didn't I, know. And I had observed that Shelly had that about her, like she would kind of. 
you know, always keep her eye out for who were kind of up and coming people. And she would take an interest, go out of her way to take an interest in keeping an eye on those people. Like she did the same later with um, Valerie Haney and Emily Jones, who eventually ended up then becoming stewards for David Miscavige. Yeah. So, yeah. And even my cousin Amber, who was in England, Shelley did the same thing with her. I don't think Shelley even necessarily realized that she was my cousin, um, but Amber was in the messenger org in England. And uh, I remember when somebody found out, I'm pretty sure Dave found out when it was like, look at these two, they could be cousins. And somebody was like, they are, they are. And it was like, what? <laughs> it's like, you didn't know that we're related. It was like, yeah, they're related. They're both pale gingers from England. I mean, now, what now, are the let's chances? Let's not get off track, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to call me a daywalker so badly. <laughs> I, a daywalker? I didn't say the word. Daywalker never came out of my mouth. You said that. I was um, just reading your thought bubble. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So that is pretty much where I think we should wrap it up today. Yeah. Where, so that brings us up to that, 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 and that does bring us exactly where we said. That brings yes. us to the end of you left Florida. You're now, um, you've trans, uh, transitioned from the RTC office in Florida to the Int headquarters, RTC. So, but this is the first time you were in RTC at the base. That's right. Since you were in Religious Technology Center, because your entire time out in RTC had been spent either in Florida or Los Angeles and maybe a few, a day or two at the Int base, but never like, okay, now you're posted at the Int base. That's right. So that's where we'll pick up in the second interview. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Okay, good. We'll see All you right. next time, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.